Hello and welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And with us we have special guests, Corey and Mike. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? We're here at your establishment, which is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Uh, we're uh, Watchtower Cafe. Um, now, oh, now. Watchtower Coffee, Coffee and, and Comics. Mm-hmm. I have to... <laughs> I have to get in the habit of of saying that it's just like it's it's been almost like four years of Watchtower Cafe. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. Um, Watchtower Coffee and Comics. We're we're moving. Um, we're currently on uh, State Street uh, at almost downtown Salt Lake City, and we're trying to hop over to Main Street. Uh, it's going to cost us a little bit of money, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we are, if, if you've never been in here, we're a uh, comic book coffee shop hybrid. So we sell comics, we sell coffee, we have board games and video games available to play. And um, we're just really nerdy, I guess. <laughs> we're just geeky and nerdy. So we, um, we uh, the, the, I mean, the, the brief story is that we, we inherited a really old um, coffee shop that had been here for, for years. And... Um, everything's kind of like taking a toll, like all the furniture, the, um, the, the fixtures, the, even the plumbing and the roofing. And so we're moving to a newer location that's getting renovated and we get to build it from ground up from scratch and design it ourselves. And so we've, uh, we've launched a Kickstarter at the, um, the pleading of our community actually are the ones that gave us the idea to, to do a crowdfunding campaign. And, um, so we're trying to raise some some funds to uh, help us build the space for not just for us but for the community as well, and um, we are offering some really cool rewards and merchandise for donating to our Kickstarter. You guys have like original art that was created for this and everything. Yep, yeah we we um, we commissioned. Um, uh, we we wanted to hit up a lot more artists, but we realized like the the list was getting longer and longer. We're like we have to, we have to cut it off at some point. So we got five artists who are either local to Utah or Salt Lake or have local ties. Um, Chad Harden, who's a, an artist for DC Comics, he draws Harley Quinn. Um, uh, Derek Hunter from uh, Adventure Time fame, and now works on Ducktales um, and a few other Nickelodeon shows. He uh, he did he did design and. Uh, Hat Robot, Chris Bodily, and his wife Chelsea Mackey both did did artwork, artwork as well, and and my sister also. So you can go to our social media, and we have links on both like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook that lead you to our Kickstarter page, and awesome. you can take it all take a look at it there. And we'll put we'll put a link in our show notes for this one on the website as well as we've shared it a couple of times on our page as and well. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we really believe in what you guys are doing here, and we love this place i mean it's anybody can come here anybody's welcome everybody gets along here and it's just awesome the atmosphere is incredible and uh so we want to see it improved and better and and i i remember because we've known each other a while mike and yeah, i yeah. remember getting like a message hey i'm thinking about doing this crazy thing yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right you're I like do, what I... do you, what do you think because i'm gonna do this crazy thing and i'm gonna get this coffee shop and i that's was right. just i was just like what i, <laughs> what I sent, are you, what I are sent you doing? that message to like 
<laughs> a couple of people, like, like it was like three or four different people that I knew were either involved in like running their own businesses yeah. or involved in like some way, like you were just, you're just yeah. always involved in something. Yeah. And, um, cause I think you and I met on film sets. Yeah. We were working in films yeah. together and doing events together and you're like, right. Hey, I bought, so I bought this coffee shop and I'm like, you did what? That's what right. did you That's do? Right. Can we film there? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look at you. Like it's like, it, this is everybody's favorite place. Like all um, of us yeah. nerds, like love to hang yeah. out here yeah. and it's busy all the time. And I'm just so glad that we get to talk movies with you guys today because we're like going full circle yeah. with the movies <laughs> and the coffee <laughs> shop and all that. Yeah. And that's how like, uh, Corey and I, when we first started, uh, dating and getting together, we kind of bonded over our love of movies. When I, I had come from, um, I, I had been divorced for probably about three or four years when I met Corey. And in my marriage, we like movies was just, we were on different planets. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, like, I mean, honestly, uh, like I had never really like dated or been with anyone, been close with anyone that, that was obsessed with, with cinema and film. Like I was until I met Corey and like, we just geeked out about movies. And even though, uh, we, we run like a comic book, coffee shop mm-hmm. um i always grew up on movies mm-hmm. um so we we would always do the uh um see as many oscar nominated films as possible before the, the oscars came out and me and my mother um and uh you know with the invention of the internet by al gore uh, yes uh, thanks yeah, al gore yes thank you uh <laughs> uh along came uh imdb and then so so I I am like the IMDb educated film <laughs> nerd. Really quickly, we, we used to play a game that we sort of, I mean, I think Corey might have kind of made it up, but um, in the beginning of our relationship, Corey, it was long distance. She was living in St. George, and I was up here in Salt Lake, uh-huh. and we would kind of take these long road trips together, either like down to Vegas or like we, she'd come up and I'd go down with her or whatever, like hours and hours in the car. And we um, started playing this game. Like, are you familiar with the game? Um, was it seven degrees to Kevin Bacon? Oh, yeah. 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 Six, six degrees. degrees to Kevin yeah. Bacon. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like six degrees to Kevin Bacon, but it, there was no infinity degrees and you never get to Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it was just like, it was like, an hour, like, hour, like four hours of like, this person was in this movie. All right. Well, with, with so-and-so and like, oh, so-and-so was in this movie. With so and so, and it's like hours and hours and hours of that's that. awesome. Mm-hmm. Deep that's dive awesome. Into, yeah. the, into your knowledge. Well, we're we're so glad to have you here, then, because you're in great company. We love movies. That's what we like to talk about. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and today we're talking about one of Tracy's favorites. He's been asking to do this movie, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Right? I love this movie. Absolutely. Um, just one of my top, probably fifteen. Films absolutely adore this. Dude, this I put film. it in one of my top five. I think. Yeah, it wow. might get up there. Really it's up so there hard to say, so but I love it. Today's going to be like a split panel <laughs> because we've got you three over there that love this film, yeah. and then there's us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I had to bring in the reserves. I had to bring yeah. in the dream team. Yeah, dream team. <laughs> yeah. I yep. didn't want to be outnumbered on this one, so I had to bring in the dream team. <laughs> and that's awesome. And we're glad we're glad to do it. So, and this was an interesting film. I remember when the previews came out. This was so 
different because at the time Jim Carrey hadn't really done a lot of mm. dramatic stuff, right? right? right. Yeah. He was known mostly for his comedy and like really slapstick kind of out there comedy. comedy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the the stuff with Ace Ventura, over the top, uh, physical, Dumb and Dumber, Liar Liar, Liar Liar, yeah, The Mask. Uh huh. Um, I and, think the the Truman Show preceded it, but that mm-hmm. was the closest. Probably. That was the closest, yeah. yeah. And that one, there was still a fair amount of comedy in that role. This was the first, to me, like really dramatic mm-hmm. yeah. role that he took on. Yeah, I still feel like it's his best performance, even though he's done mm-hmm. like, a lot of dramatic stuff since. Then, I would agree with that. I feel like this is this was his best. Yeah, yeah. See, and I would have to say, Man on the Moon. Man of the Moon is good. Is good. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. Very good movie. Yeah. That is a really good one too. And that one came before this one, so we did see him do oh, that. I that one. I thought it came um, after. Yeah, that one. Oh. No, uh, Man of the Moon is 1999, and Eternal Sunshine is 2004. Oh wow! Um, and so it was quite a bit ahead of that, though. And it wasn't like a. It wasn't like a blockbuster. It was one of those things that people really started to like after mm-hmm. it came out. It wasn't you know something mm. that it was more of a cult following later i yeah. think yeah. um and if i know we're not talking about that movie tonight but if you haven't seen men on the moon you need to and there's a documentary yeah. about yeah. how it was made and mm-hmm. how he stayed in character to the point where he annoyed the crap out of people like and people were fan- so pissed. and it's fantastic yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, jim carrey i think is very underrated as an actor yeah. for sure so i know i i mean i know that it's uh it doesn't look like a great movie but He's in Sonic the Hedgehog, and I'm just I'm just happy to see Jim Carrey working again. Yes. I'm just happy to see him out there and working again. <laughs> He's turned into quite the artist. Mm. Uh, literally, he yeah. does art all the yeah. time and posts it on his social media. Cool. I, yeah. I'm just wondering though, has he fallen on hard financial times? Is that why he's in Sonic? No. Well, no. Yeah, you guys. Got blacklisted. The movie's yeah. not even he, out yet. He was like he was unhirable. Well, yeah, like nobody would hire him, give him work. Well, he, he's gone through a huge personal struggle. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know the exact details either, but his, uh, he, he had a, a girlfriend. She, I think she was an everyday man, you know, type person. Um, and she had a lot of emotional issues and she broke up with him and, uh, later, later took her own life. And then, so, um, there's a lot of blame on him in regards to that from uh, a lot of like the the public uh, mm, towards him. Even, yeah, but he he was a pallbearer at her at her funeral. But uh, I think he he took a big turn. And uh, anytime the media was like interviewing him, he just he seemed like he was way off the ledge. But a mm-hmm. lot of it was like, if you guys. You yeah, know? I don't need you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he like did the whole anti-vaxxer thing too, and that got him kind of like. Oh like, like, no, I didn't know that. Dang oh, it! Yeah. No, yeah. big time. Like I don't think he is anymore. Well, he did. It's because he was with her. He was with her. He was dating Jenny McCarthy right. for yeah. a really long right. time. He was really close to her son, and right. so you know he was trying to be supportive. But I don't. And think he would he like he would show up at at rallies and like speak and everything. So like it was around that time, and like all of those things added up together. Just nobody wanted to work with him. Yeah. Yeah. But I think financially he's fine. I don't think I, we need to worry so about him. Yeah. Yeah. The, mask, the mask alone has him set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to work ever again. <laughs> well, and, and maybe that is, you know, this is just his opportunity to kind of get back in with Sonic and get back mm-hmm. into Hollywood. Yeah. Um, which so is great. What do you guys think of the script? Because to me, this is a beautifully, sublimely written Script Charlie Kaufman, he did Being John Malkovich, mm-hmm. Adapt- um, Adaptation. adaptation. Yeah. Uh huh. 
You can definitely um, see that it's his script. If you've seen any of those movies, he definitely has a style, and this is his style. Um, mm-hmm. And it's cool that you can... He's very distinct, and mm-hmm. so you can see with any of these films. I'm going to say right off the bat, I'm not a huge fan of this film, but it doesn't mean that I don't respect it. I think the script is there, and it's good, um, and I like that you can see the writer in all of his films. He's got that very specific... He's got that voice. You can set those three movies next to each other, and you know who made those movies. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah, for sure. He's one, of the, he's one of the few writers that's just as much uh, a star as director or the you know the leading there's actor, very few actors. screenwriters that very you know by few. name he yeah. I, I mean he, like his scripts are perfect if you you can read them like a book like you would enjoy you know any any novel or anything like that and, yeah um i all of charlie kaufman's scripts i feel like are just they're just perfect so the so it's well written mm-hmm. but value say you're not a big fan do we want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's jump, <laughs> let's jump right into it. It's what okay. the audience wants. Okay, so <laughs> this is the thing about... Do you want to hold the mic for me the whole time, or do you want me to hold it? You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, you can be my mic boy. It's fine. Um, so... <laughs> no. Um, so I... I think there, and I was talking uh, to Jake about this one, you know, a little bit earlier before we started recording, and it's, you know, there's those movies that you like to watch when you're melancholy or when you're, you know, kind of sad. Uh-huh. But this one goes beyond that for me, and it's miserable. Like, it just makes, it's so sad and so miserable that like, I just can't watch it. When I found out we had to watch it, <laughs> I, like, I had to like get myself ready. And because it is one of those that because of the content of the movie, it is, I mean, it, it's one of those things. Like if you've ever, like I've been through a divorce like recently. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, yes, I want to, I, at one point during, you know, the journey of getting over my ex, I would have loved to be able to do this. Like you want to be able to erase those things. So do you dislike it because it's hit too close to home for you? No, I don't, because I didn't relate to or is the content. It too real? I didn't relate to the content. Um, I just really wanted to. I wanted to be like, yeah, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So like that part, I get. But I think for me, it's just like nobody wants to be in that situation. Even when I watched it the first time, and I wasn't going through any of this stuff because I've seen this movie a few times, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to like it more than I more than I did because I love you know being John Malkovich and. Um, like the movie, or just like cosplaying as John Malkovich? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> yes, to everything. Right to everything. Yeah. More cowbell. Um, no, I love all of it. So to me, though, it is because they portray it. So he does such a good job in the movie, making you feel as miserable as possible. That I feel miserable watching it. So that's a that's a testament to the good filmmaking. So I I respect it. Um, I love the acting. I love the choice of um, casting. Kate Winslet Winslet. crushes. But this is the thing. So you guys are gonna hate me. This is like my least favorite movie that she's in, which I know. We don't hate you. It's okay. But it's it's just because I just, it's one of those movies, I, if you say, let's go watch it, I just don't want to watch it because it makes me so miserable. I, if you to, it's, It would be the same as if you said, Valerie, you have to watch um, Groundhog Day two times today in a row. And I would be like, what are you doing to me? Why do you hate me so bad? But the movie as a whole is not a bad movie. Just for me, like it just makes me so miserable. 
so I, I think like that's valid. And I think that's probably, those are some of the reasons why I love it so much. Um, there's a, uh, Charlie Kaufman talked about his like, uh, intentions writing this film and, uh, he said that he felt, um, growing up watching movies that they, they portrayed, uh, like a false reality of, of relationships. And right. when he grew up and started getting into relationships, it turned out not to be like what they portrayed <laughs> in the movies. And he was mad about that. And he said right. that's, that's really, it's not fair and it's not real and it's not messed up. And so this is basically his take on relationships as they are in the real world. And if you like look at it, there is not one person who has a good relationship. Not one person is in like a good place with their partner in this entire film. Like right. not one. But there, there are moments though. I mean, as we're going through to me, I wouldn't say to me, it's more emotionally draining than it is than miserable. Life? Well, just <laughs> <laughs> it's not something that I would watch like every day, but to me, um, it does have so much emotional depth to it. And I like what you said about having this relationship because Joel and Clementine's relationship, there's good times, there's bad times, mm-hmm. there's everything in between. I mean, we see... It's real. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and to me, there's, like you said, it's that real relationship and those real struggles that people go through. But you do have those kind of fun, humorous moments right. You know, as I well. When I said like nobody's in a good relationship, I didn't mean that they're all bad. It's just that they're all very real. Complicated. It's not like uh, it's not like a Disney movie for everybody. Right. Right. Absolutely. I I have uh, two movies that are kind of like a new relationship litmus um, that I sit down with with a new partner. Except now I haven't had You're to do that in. for a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, Breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. We watch movies. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's it's this and 500 Days of Summer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, and like, then, I like that combo. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, usually, though, uh, most people have seen Eternal Sunshine. I, I think it's it's now kind of like in a catalog that most people mm-hmm. kind of sit down and, and give it a chance. But where, where it's like the reaction kind of coming out of it is just like, so are we really going to like continue down this and make it happen? Right. Uh, because this is this is kind of pointing the finger that you know, this will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are going to be kind of like the, the times that we're not going to enjoy so much. Uh-huh. Um, and we're, we're sitting here in honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. Are, are we cool enough with each other to, to go through the non honeymoon phase? Right. Right. And I love at the end of the movie when she repeats the line to him that she said earlier in their relationship where she's like, I'm just a bleeped up girl and I'm not, don't project anything on me. I'm going to, get bored that's what i do and he's like okay and yeah. she just kind of stares at him like what do you mean okay yeah and then kind of laughs and says oh okay yeah you know and i like that i like that that feeling of yeah are we going to be able to survive to that yeah. point and push through those times mm-hmm. yeah and and they were almost given the gift accidentally of of you know like starting over again of right. for, forgetting all of those mm-hmm. um it, it was supposed to move on, but then they, they of course, like yeah. serendipitously um, met each other again. And then so they know that the bad times are there um, and that they've had it and it will happen again. But, you know, they they get to start experiencing it anew. 
kind of the journey is more important than the ending. Yes. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think all of us on some level are all bleeped up girls, right? Like mm-hmm. nobody is perfect. And it's really, I think this day and age, it's good to recognize that because I think with like social media, things like that, you kind of see highlights of everybody's life. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And you look at it and it's really easy to look at other people and be like, oh, they're perfect and, and everything else. And you think it, it can almost be isolating because you think I'm all alone in right. what I'm struggling with and I'm, yeah. I'm messed up compared to everybody else. And I think it's good to remember, no, we're, we're all messed up on some level. We're all mm-hmm. crazy up here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and I, and I think with relationships, it's also, you know, we talk about good relationships. I, I don't think you get in a good relationship unless you've gone through that stuff, you know, yeah. the bad stuff that's mm-hmm. going through that together. And if you can get through it at, at the end, it, it can be strengthening. Now, not always. Sometimes it doesn't work out right, that way. Right. And, and, and that's but reality. Me, but Yeah, there's always going to be make or break moments in the, in the relationship. And is the relationship strong enough to survive those points? And, you know, they, they, I love when he tries to keep her memory alive. They're erasing the memories and he's like, wait, no, save this one. Because all the memories we'd seen up to that point was the breakup. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. we're erasing memories of the good times. And he's like, wait, no, I, I don't want that one erased. Let me keep this one. And he tries to hide her in his other memories. And to me, that's just such a beautiful thought of trying to run away through these memories and hide in new places. And it leads to some of the funnier segments of the movie, which mm-hmm. is pretty melancholy. But when you have baby Joel under the, t- yeah. <laughs> under the table, <laughs> she's like, Joel, my crotch is still here, you know. <laughs> um, to me, that's just it's just sublime filmmaking. And I I think too, I love how they play with the idea of of memory and erasing memory. There's a scene where they when he's with her in the bookstore, and it's just kind of this long conversation, and the titles of the books start to disappear. And then the covers actually start to disappear. By the time they're done, it's just empty space. And, but it's just these little subtle details that are happening, and then all of a sudden, it's it's gone. I just think that's that's really really interesting filmmaking, and I like the fact that it has kind of discovered this cult audience because it's a weird film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is yeah. not a mainstream movie. Yeah, it's definitely an oddity, and again, I, I respect it because of all the things that you said. I just can't watch it. Um, but I do love the cinematography of this film mm-hmm. is incredible in the use of light that he uses and the use of color, depending on where they are in the memories yeah. um, and in real life, um, how he changes the color of the film is fantastic. Are you aware of the, uh, the theory about Clementine's hair? No. Okay. So, um, let me try to remember. Um, okay. So we're looking at this movie. If we look at it as like, um, maybe like Corey said, kind of like a breakup film or I think you didn't say that, but, um, like, a uh, litmus test, litmus test, right. Um, it's, uh, it kind of goes through the different stages of grief. Yeah. There's the five mm-hmm. stages of grief. Right. Mm-hmm. And every time, um, in their relationship, 
there's a change. Her her hair changes. So we yeah. start with the blue, which is the first. Uh, what's what's the first step in uh, in? It's uh, uh no, it's it's um, <laughs> is it? No, it's, it's law. Denial. It's denial. It's denial. Yeah. Denial is the first one. That's when she has the blue hair, and they meet for the first time again. Um, and when they when she moves into uh, the second is anger. Yeah. And then her, that's when she turns her hair to the agent orange and they start, okay, yeah. Oh. So then anger. And then she has the, and that's, that's the, mm-hmm. that, that's the, uh, the sequences when they're fighting the most, when they yeah. get into anger. Yeah. And then, uh, the bargaining is third, is the third. And then she changes to the red. Red. And, um, and that's when he's like, wait, like, I want to keep this memory. Like, this is the one he starts like, wait, was this a good idea? Like, and starts like trying to figure out. Right. And then, um, then the depression is the green hair and they're kind of like, getting into like the the reality that they're gonna be splitting out or that you know it's just not working out uh-huh. but they never quite get to acceptance which is interesting yeah like they never really accept the fact that that this is over because they end up getting back together again and it's just that cycle that keeps going around and around anyways it's not like a confirmed theory but i, I, like I read that. that like years ago and i was like that's a really cool way to watch the movie that and then a lot it of goes sense. along with the coloring too of the of the cinematography because mm-hmm. it through each phase and you get different tints and different colors in the background and different cl- colors in the clothing and stuff. Yeah, so. there's that scene where he's um, a child and he's being bullied by the oh, other yeah. kids. Oh. And it's very kind of washed out and it looks like older film stock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that scene is so... That's, yeah. that's a rough one. That's <laughs> a, like, I feel it, man. Like, that just brings back all those memories of like being a kid and being bullied. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we, so, can we talk about the cast? Because yes, I was if, just you, say that. if you haven't seen this movie in a long time, you should go back and see it just because you're going to love um, that there are hobbits and uh, other superheroes. <laughs> there's uh, Avengers but, in this but, movie. Yeah, you, you, yeah. I, I, when I turned it on, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a hobbit. Oh my gosh, there's the Hulk. <laughs> not, not literal hobbits. No. Yeah. no. no. All right. I just want to. No, but for me, that's always going to be what it is. The Hulk and the, the Hulk Hobbit. Not only is it the Hulk, it's the Hulk Mary dancing Jane. in his underwear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> how, that's how I always envision him. I don't see him any other way. This is the prequel to the Avengers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the saddest prequel ever. The, the Avengers in real life. <laughs> I... I, uh, I actually have like a small side story. Um, just before Eternal Sunshine came out, I was working up at um, Sundance, just like taking care of the parking lot in front of the hotel where all the celebrities were staying. And this guy comes up. Um, I've been working for like a couple of days. I'm super cold. I'm wearing like five layers and it's still penetrating like <laughs> all of those layers. I look awful. And this really cute guy walks up to me with like big like glasses and he's got like that that cool messy hair and uh he starts to get in an argument with me about like being able to park in the parking lot (laughs) um I really wasn't feeling myself so you know I I did kind of exacerbate it myself but we we got really really terse with each other and then finally he walked away and this uh woman comes up to me uh, to ask me a different question. She grabs my arm. She's like, oh my God, that was Mark Ruffalo. And I was like, who? <laughs> so I I go on IMDb <laughs> and I type in, who's this Mark Ruffalo? And I'm like, oh, it is that ass hat. You know? That's awesome. You know not to make him angry? He's always angry. Yes. <laughs> I do think, though, most people probably reacted that way when he got cast as Hulk. Who is Mark Ruffalo? Yeah, because like, yeah, he wasn't yeah. really. 
Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for a long time, he was like that guy. I don't like think anybody guy. called him an asshat, though. <laughs> no, probably not. This girl did. <laughs> to Look, his that, face. That asshat that I got in a fight with at the parking lot. <laughs> Corey got in a fight with the Hulk and survived. Good for That's you, what Corey. the takeaway. You're That's the takeaway from yeah, that, yeah. Nice. <laughs> that is a but, good takeaway, yeah. Um, this And I also, I kind of like this one because Elijah Wood is usually just... The, seems like the nicest guy, and in this film, and he's then a creep. he's yeah. a total creep, and it kind of reminds me of Sin City, oh, where he yeah. played that role too. Maybe it's that's like, why I don't like goes, it because he's such a against, jerk, and I don't want him to be a jerk. Oh, Patrick's awful in this film. He is. Yeah. I just want to like flick him on the nose. Like I just like you're. Being <laughs> he steals all of Joel's private memories yes. that was supposed to be destroyed, so he can well, seduce to manipulate <laughs> a relationship. He's a weasel. A weasel. Um, Tom Wilkinson. Is in this who's, film. Which, who's Tom Wilkinson? Um, he plays the doctor. Oh, um, he's good. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a great character yeah, actor. Yeah. David Cross mm-hmm. has a, I, I a like small David role, Cross. but yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so that's quite the, the, the fighting couple, the couple that's con- uh-huh. continuously yep. fighting, uh-huh. but probably love each other. They still have that relationship, you even know. Though, yeah, because but it's a real, it's a real relationship. It's yeah, not all absolutely. flowery and trees. So. You mean you can fight and still love each other? And still be okay. Except Corey and I never fight. (laughs) Never. (laughs) So I don't know. I just think, and I love the fact too that this was in the very early days of some of the CGI that we can do now. And Mm -hmm. having like the walls disappear. But a lot of this stuff was done in camera. Some of the shots were like the, the fence is going away. Um, that was erased after the fact. But in a lot of those scenes where they're transitioning from one memory to the next, they just built the set so that he could leave the, the kitchen and be on the beach and they could be on the ice together and some of those sorts of things. And I think that's just really creative, interesting filmmaking and still done on a fairly low budget. Yeah. Well, and, and if you think about it, like that, that's usually how my dreams go. It's just like it's the most naturalistic you know, mm-hmm. transition from one scene to another. Um, That's true. You don't really think really, about the transition. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, there there was the the scene where they're, like, fighting and he's walking down the street and then cars are raining from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he pays absolutely no attention to it. But, like... Um, That's normal, right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. But it really sets the tone, too. Yeah. You know, like, there's all this destruction that's going off. But, you know, and, like, the more serene type things, it keeps going back to Montauk and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. where he walks from Barnes & Noble right into the living room. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's in yeah. Barnes & Noble and mm-hmm. walks through a doorway and all of a sudden, yeah, he's in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they just built this set to make it look like, um, but it's done so cleverly. Uh, Michael Grandry, to me, is a fascinating filmmaker. I think he is one of the more visionary filmmakers. He kind of makes me think of um, like a Terry Gilliam in terms of the way he thinks visually and putting mm-hmm. the scenes together. Well, and he, he came out of making music videos, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, yep. so that, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it does. Yeah. I could see that happening in a music video, going from a Barnes & Noble into like a bedroom or a yeah. house or something. Also, I would love to have a Barnes & Noble in my house. That would right? be kind of yeah. cool. That would be awesome. <laughs> Except for like the customers. That wouldn't yeah. be fun. <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting, too. Gondry did he – kind of, he kind of manipulated um, Jim Carrey – in some ways. So he would purposely give him the wrong notes or he would not tell him when they were filming to kind of upset him and throw him off of his game. 
Um, and then Jim Carrey told him right before they were getting ready to shoot that he had just come out of a bad breakup. And he told them that he wanted to, to stay in that kind of mental state for a year while they were filming this movie. Um, you know, that's a lot to ask yeah. for an actor. Yeah, I was just about to say, that is a long time Again, to carry. miserable. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to dwell in that relation, in that mindset for a year. That sounds great. <laughs> like, I, I think most people try to get through that as quickly but, as possible, right? But to yeah. me, that really pulls through in the performance. And Joel, it's interesting because these are two very flawed characters, Joel and Clementine. And I think in lesser actors' hands, you would hate both of these characters. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm still rooting for both of them. And you can see that they're sometimes toxic and sometimes they're awful to each other. But there is this thing that still draws them together. And I think that there's that likability that with lesser actors or a lesser script, you just be like... Why am I even bothering 15 minutes into the film? You just turn it off and say, I don't want to go down this road. And Val usually <laughs> sounds like that. But Listen. to me, it works. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. uh, the, you know, if, if you want to take a look at Clementine's character and kind of frame it there, you, you only get to see, like, it through Joel's eyes and his memories. So of course we start off with like a really bad breakup and he can't stand her and he thinks he, she really is like an awful person. So, you know, we, uh, Clementine isn't really awarded like, you know, the, mm -hmm. yeah, her, her side or, or her particular character development. She, she essentially doesn't have one because it's all, a, all kind of focused on, on Joel mm -hmm. too. Um, it's an interesting perspective. I don't think that that necessarily like fails her, but you know, it's, it's kind of like you kind of have to give her a little bit of that breath. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, everything is being seen through Joel because we're in his mind. Yeah. So this obviously has the way that he sees her mm -hmm. and interprets her. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd be interesting if they would have, if they would have maybe made a sequel and had it from her, Oh, had that it from been her great. point of view of the yeah. of this it of the out, relationship. Like it was all wrong. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a crazy person. Like she's just the, it was like the greatest relationship, and he's just a, this depressed guy sitting in the corner all the time, brooding. And she's and, like, "I'm trying to break through to you." Yes. <laughs> it's a. It's basically like the opposite of. Of, of this movie, it's just the the, the flowery rom com. <laughs> <laughs> it's animated. It's an animated musical, I'm actually. Changing my hair color to keep things spicy and fun, but you just hate it. Like, I assumed you somebody. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's and what that, you get for trying to propose a sequel, yeah, Tracy. <laughs> You deserve this. <laughs> For me, like, it just, like, right off the bat when, um, you know, they're on the bus or the train or whatever uh -huh. they're on, and she just, like, automatically attaches to him. Mm. I don't know why that annoys me so really? bad. I'm like, who does that? You know who does that? Annoying people. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk to me while I'm on a bus, and you're going to come right up and get in my business and, like, touch me and stuff. Like, I just... I was like, who does that? So you know what's what's funny <laughs> is like um, I when this movie came when I I didn't see this movie until like years after it had come out. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a long story, but there was a period in my marriage where I just didn't watch movies. So okay. like, and and so as I was coming out of that, I was like just um, 
I, instead of like drinking alcohol, I, I drowned my sorrows in movies. And so I just oh. like, while I was going through my divorce, I would watch, I would watch like th- about three movies a day. And I just like, and this was one that I just kept coming back to. And part of it was because I related to Joel so much as a character because I, uh, naturally, I know you can't tell, but Naturally, I'm a very reserved, shy person. <laughs> and this is a learned behavior. Like, I had to learn to really crack myself out of my yeah, shell. Yeah. And, like, and, and you can learn that. Like, you can learn to be outgoing and be friendly and, and, and I, personable, you know? I'm on the same um, wavelength as you Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, growing up, though, I was, I was just like Joe. And so where I fell in love with Kate Winslet was, like, here's somebody that does all the work for me. <laughs> somebody that I'm attracted to that, that, like, will come and talk to me and I don't have to be the one to, like, start the conversation. Like, there's never a moment of awkward silence because she's always talking. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, that's annoying to you, <laughs> but attractive to me. Well, and it's, uh, I, I love their dynamics so much because they, they really are such perfect foils to each other yeah. that they obviously, they, they are two people that normally wouldn't get along because they're such dual sides. And especially in such extremes, he's so shy, she's so outgoing. And it's almost like, that's in one way that's what makes him gel so much but in another way that that's what makes him like mm. you know uh such an odd couple where they they can't like lose those parts of themselves mm-hmm. too right. uh in order to to catch up to one another so to speak um yeah there uh i hear a lot cuz um about the manic pixie manic dream, dream girl. girl. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like it, it's a trope, which is funny because like I, I watch all of those movies that, that are quoted as far as that goes and they're like, that that's not fair to like these female characters or anything like that. But I think it really makes um, uh, the woman complex, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I, I like that trope though. Yeah. And, like uh, 500 Days of Summer and uh, mm-hmm. Ramona Flowers. Yeah. All yeah. Manic Pixie Dream Girls, you know. Uh, Garden State is a movie that I didn't I didn't take to as well, but uh, the Natalie Portman yeah, character sure. is uh-huh. considered the one. soundtrack to that movie is one of That's my favorites. Soundtrack so is amazing. Good. And I just want one of those helmets. I know she needs it like for her health, but I just want one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you, is there a favorite scene you guys have? Is there a moment that really kind of sticks out to you yeah my my favorite scene is um at the very end when when they're in the hallway after they realize that they've been doing this they've done this before and she even repeats the same line that she did when they first were going to get back uh, get together for the first time right not even knowing or realizing that she said this before and they've done this before and it's kind of like it's showing that they're going through the cycle, but they know what they're getting into, and and Joel's just like, okay, like, yep, I I know what we're getting into, and and I'm in. She's putting up these walls. She's yep. like being like, go away. You don't want any part of this. Yeah. He's like, no, I really do want a part of this. And now he knows how it ends. And like, I I kind of I imagine that this isn't the end of of the movie, and I, I don't think it's like a, a happily ever after. I think mm-hmm. they end up breaking up again probably. and probably getting back together again. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they just go through that. They're that couple that's constantly make up to break up yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, this is just, we're just seeing like one of the phases and one of the cycles. But I love that, that so much because they, there there's that, I don't know, that, that knowledge that they know it's, they're not perfect for each other but they're willing to go into it anyway imperfectly. 
I don't think it's a particularly poignant scene or process, but I, I kind of feel like uh, from a woman's perspective, um, they captured, especially from Kate Winslet, the feeling so well. But it's basically when um, Elijah Wood's trying to uh, draw her out onto the lake to kind of recreate that one memory. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's coming out and she's just like, she's got anxiety. She can't figure out what it is. And she's just like, this feels so wrong. So, so wrong. Mm-hmm. And you get that gut feeling of like somebody trying too hard mm-hmm. uh, of you know, and it just, um, you, you can't shake that feeling. And it's just, uh, that, that really resonates with me. Like I've, I've, I've had that feeling quite a few times in, in some, some dating scenarios and relationships. And it's, it's, it's a hard one. So like that's that, like, uh, how, as, as perfect as it seems, or like as enticing as it seems to erase your memories, like Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what I got from this is you can, you can take the memory away, but you can't take away the feeling. And that's why Joel and Clementine keep falling in love with each other and why she's sitting on, on, on the ice with a hobbit. And they're like, this, she still has (laughs) that feeling. The memory's not there, but the feeling is there. And like, something's wrong with the picture. Right. Right. Um, I like the scene where, uh, he enters, he's figuring out that she has no memory of him and he goes into the bookstore and she is behind the counter and helps him, but she's with someone else uh-huh. and he starts the flipping out and then he goes to the doctor's office and just like, it doesn't matter that anybody else is in mm-hmm. line. It's like, he needs to do this now. Right now. Yeah. And I just like the whole, cause his face and like her face, she's so flippant mm-hmm. in that moment in, and she just starts talking to this other guy and you know, she's like, if you need help, let me know. But she's like kissing this other guy and he's just like what you know i just think like his face in that moment and her face in that moment and then he goes to the doctor's office and i just i like that whole scene of it's so opposite of characters yet at the same time you're like okay something you know something's about to happen i I like that scene i i love the scene um towards the end of the film and she says to him they're at the this is their final memory it's their first memory of them at the house in Montauk and, and she says, well, you should stay with me. And he's like, but I, I can't cause we, I didn't, I left. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, maybe you should just try and stay. And he's like, I can't. And then she tells him, meet me in Montauk before that house just completely yeah. is demolished mm-hmm. and yeah. gone. Um, that to me is such a poignant moment. And I love the line too, when he's at the doctor's office and he's getting ready to have his memory erased. And he says, so, is this like brain damage? And the doctor's like, yeah. <laughs> technically it is brain damage, yeah. but it's on par with a night of heavy drinking. Yeah. <laughs> In which you also lose lots of memories. Yeah. Yep. But the other scene that I love too is towards the end. And she says to him, um, you know, if you, if you lose the memories and this is, this is the end and what do we do? And he's like, we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's just a very poignant, um, very subtle building of this relationship and of this, this whole story. It's kind of summed up in that moment of, yeah, the ending's going to be rough and it's mm-hmm. going to be bad, but enjoy the journey as opposed to worrying mm-hmm. about what the end's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in the end, none of us can really control what the ending of anything is, right? So right. enjoying the journey is kind of all we really have. So, yeah. All right. Letter grades. What would you grade this movie, Tracy? Solid A. Solid, Solid A. A for me. Yeah. All right. 
Corey? A plus. A plus. Remember that scene in um, in A Christmas Story where in Ralphie's dream and that teacher's and like, like A plus. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm the teacher grading this movie. Awesome. Uh, C plus for me. C plus. All right. Well, I think it's so. It's a solid movie. On that side, more than solid favorite movie, and then Mike. Well, she she I, I appreciates have total respect. the film. I yeah. have a total respect for this film, and I definitely think people should watch it. But the way that, and I've explained this before, the way I grade things is on how often I could watch a film or how I connect to the film. And I and for me, I respect it as a filmmaker and the art of it. But I just I don't connect to this film. Yeah. Kind of like Blue Valentine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a rough that's a movie one. that I watched yeah. once and will never watch again. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's, uh-huh. yeah it's the same. And I would, uh-huh. and that's a great. I, I feel that about that movie yeah. the way that you feel yeah. about this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I feel the same about both. Of those <laughs> 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 well, we've reached in 10 years. I will feel differently. But right now, I do not. <laughs> that's fair. All right. I thought I was going to be the one to say that. I know. I was waiting for it. I was like. Just wait until we get to 11. Yeah. All right. Corey, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about this uh, eternal sunshine for the spotless mind. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for letting us record here. We'll probably do this again. You're always welcome to come record at Watchtower, whether we're here or at the new location. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. And if you want to find us, Movies That Make Us, you can find us online, Facebook, at Movies That Make Us, Instagram. Twitter, we're at Movies Make Us. Um, and you can also send us any of your feedback, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, to podcast at moviesatmakeus.com. Yeah, we want to know, have you seen this movie? Is this one that, if you haven't seen it, we recommend you check it out. Yep. Um, like we say oftentimes in our social media posts, so it's kind of like we think of this podcast as like a book club, um, but for, for movies. So if you haven't seen this one, definitely worth checking out on a variety of levels. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we won't see you at the movies. (laughs) This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.